Hello and welcome to the Top Red Podcast with me, Dave and Josh. How's it going? Hi, I'm I'm very well. How are you? How was you? How was your jaunt to, to Wembley before we we get into the whole well, Champions League final well, defeat? I saw the world's funniest red card. I don't know if you watched the Mansfield game. No, no. So he's on a yellow card basically in the first. 10, 15 minutes, and then he decides to go off on, off both feet, clatter into his thigh on a yellow. Get sent off second yellow, and then Mansfield crumbled. But it was a, it was a fun day out. Fun day out. Yeah. No, the only affiliation I have with Port Vale is that my old boss used to be a Port Vale fan. I found that really fucking random. I tell you, Port Vale played some nice <clears> stuff. <throat> they were, they were pretty devastating on the break. Yeah, he, he never. Like, I think he left like eighteen months ago, so I'm speaking in the past. But he never really like said much about them. He was never really excited about them. He was just kind of like a local fan kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Guess guess disliked. They had a newish newish coach, Daryl Clark. So he's been the he's been the one I think by all accounts that has changed Port Vale's fortunes around. How we're discussing the League Two playoff final, I've got no idea. I love it though. Well, I love, it's, it's I love pure, our range. It's... Yeah. Of our range and diversity, yeah, I know, but and how, li- how little we want to talk about Paris. It, it, well, well, that is that. I, 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 according to the Sierra Army, he's insistent that it's Saint Denis and, and not Paris. Um, mm. There's quite a few people like insistent it's Saint Denis. Julien Laurent as well was was pretty insistent that it, it, it is not Paris. It's Saint Denis. I'm guessing, like, well, you know, we potentially saw why. Um, Anyway, we'll get into the game first before, I mean, the game, uh, uh, for the Champions League final, the game itself has seemed to be just lost in this. Yeah, the result and everything is completely inconsequential. Yeah, um, it, it has just completely been dwarfed by what happened before and after the game, uh, which just says a lot about the seriousness and the just how barbaric it was and how poorly the fans were treated before and after the game. Uh, it was also in the fan park as well, not just outside the ground. So um, we'll get into that a bit after because it's probably a bigger talking point than the final itself. And that isn't us just trying to avoid the fact that we lost the Champions League final. But <laughs> um, yeah, so quickly on the game, um, I, think, I think what Klopp said afterwards was was fairly spot on and we tried to play around their shape far too much um didn't play wi- within their shape mm. um i didn't actually see anything klopp said to be honest so. yeah that's the one the one thing i caught which i completely wholeheartedly agreed with but i don't really think his team selection um well, supported that really. Um, Henderson. I, the the only th- I think the only thing I really disagreed with during the whole game was Diaz coming off. I think it's the only thing I disagreed with. I thought the team was right um, to start with. It's what's worked, um, and we saw that in the first half. The team was bang on. That is probably the most dominant first half of a Champions League final I've ever seen. Um. Which would have made it even more ironic if Benzema's goal had stood. 
because it was that would have been the most typical Liverpool thing in a Champions League final to ever happen to be completely dominant and going one nil down. I think everything was good. We one chance really, I think you can say, and that was Mane's. I don't think we had anything too clear cut. But I think in the Champions League, you've just got to control the game, and I thought we did that perfectly. And we did it perfectly up until their goal, which you know we we we've we've discussed it a little bit before we came on about who to blame. I don't think the blame game is the is the right way to go about it. It was Real Madrid's first good attack. They got it spot on. They got a bit lucky when the ball comes inside from the touchline when Fabinho and Thiago are both so close to intercepting it, and it opens the team up. Both both of them going in, and we've 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 used the phrase risk and reward a lot this season as a positive. It's gonna turn around and bite you sometimes. It just seemed it just happened in the worst game it could have done. But yeah, if the Diaz going off, I think, struck me as panic. With that with there wasn't really any logic to it. Um so yeah, it's the only thing we did that I didn't really agree with. It's a game you accept because it can happen. We look at Man City Chelsea, it was a very similar situation last year. Um, sometimes you you can be the better team on the day and not win, and that's fine. I can I can accept it. And as we've said, events before and after have have made that a weekend that you just you just shrug your shoulders in terms of the result. Um, because on a humanitarian level, um, far more important things happened on Saturday than than Liverpool losing one 0 Yeah, I mean, actually. Looking at the game, you you raised it the the Chelsea and the City game last season. It's actually a really good comparison to it in terms of the 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 team, the more idealistic team, the team that had a set way of playing. And as Ancelotti said, like he he knew how Liverpool were going to be set up. You know, there are thereabouts going into the game, and you could probably say the same from Chelsea's perspective coming into their Champions League final last season. The like the XG numbers and the I wouldn't could you say domination? How how much better City and and Liverpool were than Chelsea? I think the big thing with the the City game was it was Chelsea were far more um, threatening than Real Madrid were. Yeah, definitely. They did a really good job of stopping City, which I don't think Real Madrid did in particular. I don't think they. It's been labelled as a masterclass. It isn't. Their goalkeeper has bailed them out, and fair play. It's a great performance from him. The Mane save is is brilliant. The the Salah one is almost unbelievable in terms of the way the Salah has got a lot of power on that, especially says his right foot as well. Um, <clears throat> it is a, their keeper has won the game, and I don't think Klopp was wrong to say what he did. I saw that bit because he's obviously got criticism for being sour and salty or whatever other adjectives that football Twitter likes to use. But he's right. I mean, you know, if your goalkeeper's the man of the match, it's it's not the most perfect result a performance from you. Um but I must say the way Real Madrid killed the game after they scored was was brilliant. We have two good chances and it's Salah's and I do not want to talk about navigators because that is such a big chance. I've seen it again today and I cannot believe he's done what he's done. Um but, but yeah, the comparison in terms of you're right. It's pragmatism tends to win when it comes to the Champions League, and I thought it was the same. The flip side in 2019, Tottenham 
played more football than we did. We were very pragmatic. Ironically, Alisson was man of the match, so we're not going to talk about Klopp's comment for that one. Um, so yeah, it just it's a learning curve for us as well. If we get there in Istanbul next year, I'm sure we'll have picked something up from Saturday that we can turn into a positive for us. And after witnessing, obviously, the parade on, on Sunday, the amount of goodwill and positivity that was shown there, I've got absolutely no doubt that we'll be knocking on the doors of Istanbul next year. We'll be back in a Premier League title race next year. It, it seemed to be a real, really good mood from Saturday on a footballing perspective, which means that the, the loss on Saturday is not the end of the world. It's football. It happens. And we'll definitely be there, be there next year. Might not, might not get to the final, but we'll certainly be in in and around the semi-finals, like we always are. Yeah, I feel like ultimately, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a Liverpool legend because that is what Sadio Mane is. Um, I've I've never seen a Liverpool legend bow out. In a good way. <laughs> I should have mm. probably known this going into the game, but Steven Gerrard's last game in the Liverpool shirt was, you know, a, a home defeat to Crystal Palace. Was it not? Was that his last home game? And his last game, full stop, was the Stoke game. Never happened. Stoke never happened. <laughs> well, anyway, he lost his last two games. <laughs> like, yeah. He lost his last game at Anfield and then got absolutely tonked away at Stoke in his last game. I think that's the mm, right one. Yeah. That was that was it, yeah. Yeah, um, Rogers somehow survived. I can't be I can't be so sure after the um, the Jota Robertson thing the other week. To, to be <laughs> um, you're right, you're right this time. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I, I should have really known that Sadio Mane was going to go out relatively sad. Um, I don't think he's gone out wholly sad because we won two trophies this season. It's been a hell of a season. On the well, he's literally won. He's won everything he could have won when he signed in 2016. You know what a what a player we've we've had for six years. I still hold him in a higher regard to Salah because of the job he had to do in 16-17 when he was the backbone of the attack. And then obviously Salah comes in and he sacrifices himself again by going to the left. I'm not saying it's a sacrifice because it probably suits him more. But he goes to the left. The back end of this season, he's played as a nine and reinvented himself. Um, and just the the moments he's given us, the um, the performances he's put in. I mean, my favourite one is, is probably the City game in 17-18 when we end their unbeaten run and just how involved he was in that, how he buzzed around. He's obviously went to the Alliance last year, a couple of years ago with a, with an amazing performance and finish in that one. He's just given us so much um, as a player, um, as a person as well. He, he, he typifies the Jurgen Klopp teams in a way that I don't think Salah ever really has. And that's not a criticism against Salah. It's just Salah is a different personality. And that's why they complement each other so well. Um, Bayern Munich, if he goes there, are getting an incredible player. I have no uh, no problem with Mane wanting to leave. It's probably the perfect time to leave. He's just completed the set, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a shame he couldn't finish on the, the highest of highs. 
over the last week or two. But, but, but honestly, I don't think they'll. There'll be very few players in the future that'll be that'll be loved um, by Liverpool fans and Anfield as much as as much as Sadio Mane is, and it will be so weird seeing Liverpool next year without him. Yeah, so we're we're going to get on to transfers a bit later, but I think it's safe to say that if if he, if he doesn't leave, at least Sadio Mane does want out of mm. Liverpool. Um, and we never we never hold a player against their will. You know, I don't think Liverpool will keep him to leave release him next year. Yeah, um, I mean, as much as as much as the club will talk about that, obviously to try and drive the fee up, it wouldn't surprise me if we had a bit of a Thiago situation where there's a bit of wrestling between the two clubs, but the the actual transfer is never really in doubt. Um, and don't tell me Liverpool don't want forty million compared to nothing next year. I think if you have forty million pounds on the table now. Um, we've got to take that because it just freezes up a little bit gives us a little bit more room to manoeuvre maybe lets you target a player in the next bracket than you were maybe intending to so as I said we'll we'll talk about transfers more in depth later but for me the move is going to happen that's not in doubt we won't see him next season Um, but yeah it's just it'll be bittersweet because I, I hope he goes on and does great things for for Bayern. But I also hope he fails miserably in the Champions League next year. I <laughs> yeah. don't want to play him next year at all. That would be dreadful having <laughs> to come up against him. Christ. So, yeah, um, just to summarise the game then. It's just bittersweet. Um, you know, a... a Good performance, we could probably say. Really, in the really good. League final, really good. Uh, but you know, as as City, it was saw last it was season. a ninety. It was it was a ninety-five percent performance, and Real Madrid unfortunately had the five percent that we needed. And oh yeah, they, I mean they had the devil's club at the end of the day, and like you, yeah. you, could, you, you can you can see how I mean we we were talking about as Josh referenced before in the lead up to the goal, somehow they get. They cut us apart with the ball into the middle of the park. That really should have been cut out. I don't know how it isn't cut out. And then the ball itself from Valverde into into Vinicius should have been cut out. Isn't cut out. And I just I just want to mention a quick thing on the 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 bashing that Trent Alexander Arnold's getting. If if Trent's getting the bashing for not tracking his man, then you're giving Trent a bashing for the complete wrong thing. If, if anything, he should hold his line. And for whatever reason, people are saying he should attract his man. Like, no, he's not Gary Neville. Like, this this isn't the 90s. He should have held the line. He should have. Like, don't get me wrong, he should have. I criticise Robertson for doing that exact thing uh, all the time. But for whatever reason, when it happens to Robertson, he doesn't get the same kind of flack. Um, that that isn't even necessarily from from Liverpool fans. To be fair, that's mainly from neutrals who have this, as we've mentioned before, this preconceived notion that Trent is this abysmal defender. Um, you know, I had it. I, I watched the game with my own family, and Trent was was those kind of quote unquote jogs back that he does. It, it's almost as though it's quite hard to run the length of the pitch over and over again, and you mm. do need to kind of. Like, take it easy at some points and that that is why the likes of Jordan Henderson do fill in that gap as much as they do is because it, it, it is ridiculously energy consuming to do the job that Trent Alexander-Arnold does and the way he does it 
whilst being so technically competent is is unreal um and you know he's he's had a bit of a lapse of concentration on the biggest stage possible which you know it, it is what it is the ball shouldn't have gone in it's 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 semi lazy because he's probably thought that the ball's never going to come in to be honest um but again that that's just me you know theorizing um and he's switched off, hasn't really held his line and played him on side. Uh, that, that, but the issue isn't that he switched off by not tracking him. And I just wanted to kind of emphasise that because for whatever reason, he, he does clock, he knows when he is there, he does clock him behind him. Uh, so he knows he's there. But but yeah, I, I personally think that the, the, the cross should have been stopped. Do you think it should have been stopped earlier in the move? Um, yeah, I think... I think- it should be cut out in midfield. I think it's all hindsight. We're obviously looking at still images and slowed down things. The, the, so. There is there is also the argument of whether or not it was offside. Through um, which, if you do see no, the, the, if you do see no. the angle, it does roll over his foot. Mm. Well, which you could argue we got we got away with one. Yeah, we got we got away. Listen, with one yeah, of the first I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say it should have been offside. We were robbed or anything. Like, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I'm shocked they ruled the other one out as it was. Yeah, I thought we... by the letter of the law offside, but it's one of them stupid kind of laws. I think that should have been the goal. Well, I I just think honest. yeah, the the direction Fabinho goes into the tackle makes it. That is the only place the ball would have really gone. It's a deliberate attempt to play the ball. I, I see it as I know it's deflection. I, I'm not 100% clued up on the rules. I had a few drinks when I saw it, so I kind of yeah. Wasn't by by really... the book, it, it is it is and I don't know it, it is offside like a million percent yeah. by the rules. But yeah, I just it's one of those it's one of those rules. one of those rules that in the next five years won't be controversial. But everyone would have just accepted it. Yeah, but, the, the, but the, the, at the end of the day, the rules aren't always the rule. Oh. By definition, the rules are always right, but I mean, morally yeah. speaking, the rules aren't always right. I'd have, I'd, I'd have had no qualms that goal being given. Yeah. You to, to be honest, I'd almost prefer it to have been given than they got what they scored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have conceded before half time and lit a fire up what? our ass and have them have fifteen minutes of anxiety. Then I think the problem, the problem, with, the the problem with that is: do Liverpool come out? How do Liverpool come out? Because Nah, I think we would have been fine. Mm, I think it'd have been a big emotional blow knowing how much you dominated, and that's one nil. That. I think it would have been reassuring, if anything. Mm. Personally, it was a, that would have been a worse goal to concede in terms of a defensive point of view because that was an absolute mess. But it was on Allison, that like it's <laughs> completely on Allison. I I don't think anyone covers himself in glory, to be honest, in the back four. I think well, Canati doesn't bit, really know anything about it because Allison needs it. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just. And then Fabinho comes flying, and as Fabinho does, God, absolute. It was mayhem. And yeah. you could, it, it all happened in slow motion as well. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the time, I and just before we we go off the game, I just wanted to people and and goalkeepers like goal, goalkeepers matter in football matches, man. Like whether you like it or not, like. Uh, we've seen as Liverpool fans first hand this season with Allison like the effect he has had. He he literally defines the way we play because we can rely on him so much um to oh well to to stop the ball going in the back of the net. It's 
really as simple as that. But I mean, Thibaut Courtois on 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 Saturday was just absolutely incredible. phenomenal. I mean, he is he is a goal line goalkeeper, and that is a flaw. But when you play in the way they played, it's he's he's the perfect goalkeeper. Like he's yeah, there was no space in behind. There's no space in behind for him to have to do anything. Yeah, really. So it was an incredible performance. Those two saves, as we said, as I said earlier. Um, I think Manes is probably more impressive because uh, he has to get down to that whilst momentum's going the other way. I think personally, for such a big man to make that save from Salah mm. for me is just yeah. outrageous. Like... And all credit to him. And I think you know if they have a different keeper in Liverpool, win the. Yeah, the if they have any other goalkeeper, bar Allison, maybe. But if they have any other goalkeeper in the world in goal, but I mean, who scored? Put up a start after the final to say he made fifty-three saves in the Champions League this season, which is two less than Edison made in the Premier League. That is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like you know, and he 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 won them that competition. Like look at the amount of saves he pulled off through yeah. the competition, and people. Seem well, look to at think... the, Gre- the the Grealish one. Yeah, yeah, is unreal. There's a there's a theory that that in in um in NFL analytics, uh, with the with the offensive line, if you, if you've got you want to get your offensive line as close to average as you can, and just essentially give your quarterback enough time to to function. I I feel like that's the same in football where people think about goalkeepers as you you, you can be fine with just an above average goalkeeper. Like yeah. no, these elite guys, they win you things. Uh, maybe not over the course of a thirty-eight game season. I, I understand that. Um, even though, you know, I think we could have owed a lot to Allison if we had won the league this season. But especially in knockout tournaments, particularly like Thibaut Courtois, it had such a dramatic effect on on them winning the Champions League, and. Um, Another player that really impressed me for them was Ed Militao, who I saw linked with Liverpool on loan when, if you remember, last January, when we were having that bit of a defensive crisis. I don't even think he was starting for Real Madrid at the time, obviously, because people were talking about getting him in on loan. Yeah. Um, he was an absolute colossus. Um. Yeah, he 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 played like Sergio Ramos. <laughs> That that night, um, and he's 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 proven to be a hell of a replacement for Rafa Varane, who has gone and stank the gaff out at United, yeah. and then you know Luka Modric as well. Um, we won't mention the the well the Mister Mister Fifteen up front, Mister Benzema. Um, mm. He went. He he was not very good at all. Glenn Hoddle seemed seemed to really rate his performance. I don't really know what he was on about. No, I don't think Real Madrid anything. Sorry, did anything that went through him or because of him. Uh, no, and save for Vinicius, to be honest, other than the goal. Um, Liverpool defended Real Madrid brilliantly, apart from one attack. Well, th- yeah, that 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 was the thing. I mean, I th- I think Trent towards the back end of the season has had a really impressive half of the season defensively. Yeah. Um, he's come up against some top top wingers and one on one, he's been completely fine. Um, but yeah, me, you know, obviously, it, it it's it's hard to justify that after him switching off a bit. But you know, I'll stick with it. Um, but yeah, you know, 
it's hard to say congratulations congratulations to Real Madrid because as a club they're not the most ethical and <laughs> best around um, it's safe to say but um, you know they they did what they do and that is what it is and we'll go again so anyway we can go on to the before and after of the game which mm. is obviously the treatment of Liverpool fans by the French police um, before and after the game and inadvertently now the French state and the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. demonization of, of. I want to say football fans in general because obviously Real Madrid fans have also been criticised, but to a lesser extent, it wasn't a problem exclusive to Liverpool fans this weekend. Which I know Liverpool fans have had the the worst of it, but Real Madrid fans have also obviously had problems before the game and especially after. I think both sets of fans were left hung out to dry by the authorities after the game. Um. It was an absolute. It was absolute carnage by the sounds of things. I'd not actually seen anything from after the game until um, Sunday morning because of phone dying and what have you, and not really wanting to be <clears throat> part of the Twitter meltdown that I'm sure happened uh, in the in the follow uh, the end of the game. If, if, so, if you're on about the match, it actually wasn't that bad on my timeline. Oh, good. It, it was just more people concerned for what happened before. To be honest, yeah. Well, well, I didn't want to be on Twitter anyway, so miss, I missed a lot of what happened afterwards. Only saw scraps of what was happening before. Um, I know, obviously, I was following it a lot more when it came through that the game had been delayed. I was thinking, well, what's going on here? Sort of thing. And the, my immediate thing, because I wasn't fully clued up, was BT come out peddling the UEFA line without challenge and without uh, scrutiny that it was Liverpool fans to be blamed turning up late I thought well that doesn't sound particularly truthful um, and Jake Humphrey being Jake Humphrey cared more about his job and UEFA's um, TV contract BT than he did actually challenging misconceptions and and lies uh, peddled by UEFA um, which was just embarrassing really on UEFA's part um, and the French police tear gassing innocent children um, people with disabilities players families these sorts of things um, if it was in, in England you know we say I, I don't want to say I don't want to come across as being like this but if it was in England it would have been a big issue um, in the world and what has what is nice is that we are seeing a lot of defence from the media, which I wasn't expecting. To be honest, I thought it was, you know, it's going to be peak demonisation of British football fans. It's not been the case, and it seems the French state has got a lot of questions to answer, and have been put under a lot of pressure in France by the media for what's happened. But if this happened in England, England wouldn't be hosting a major tournament or a major final for twenty years, and France needs that sort of punishment because. It's absolutely horrendous what's happened. They shouldn't be hosting any uh, UEFA organised tournament, at least, I'd say, for 10 years. They need a punishment for these well, sorts of you, things. Well, you say that. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a football talk. They, they host the Olympics in two years. Yeah, they host the Rugby World Cup next year, I think, yeah, like, as well. It's, it's so, worrying. 
yeah, and this could... This has to be the... You know, the, the turning point for these sorts of things, that there has to be a punishment to the for the country that does it. Um, especially when you've got the government actively lying and making things up to justify the criminal um, actions of the police force in France. It's what it is. It's criminal. It's a criminal action. And not enough is being made of that, I don't think, that the, the French in France government have actively conspired with the police to lie to justify something that, you know, is is criminal and it is absolutely horrendous. This report that UEFA have commissioned, I can't see a result of that coming for months when it will be swept under the carpet as it often is. So very weak response in in the in the aftermath and this is where the onus is now on Liverpool as a club to make sure something happens. I don't think the club are great in their initial response. I thought they were a little bit too diplomatic. It seems to have turned now into a bit more of a a push to get some sort of answer. I think Tom Werner obviously has I think wrote a letter. So I think they've kind of got to be diplomatic in a way because I, the escalation does seem to be towards legal action, to be, to be completely yeah. honest, um, which I wouldn't blame the club for in the slightest. I would like to see if there are any damages that come from any legal action to see where those damages will go. You know, you would hope it would all go towards the LFC Foundation and whatnot. Um, but, you know, that's that's well down the road. Um, but... I just wanted to give a quick, um, you know, shout out to to Dan Austin, um, who he's a, a writer. He was at the game and he's done a lot of television in France and in the UK um, to give his version of events and and to to come out against these lies that have been spread by the status quo over in France. Um, and he's really garnering hope. Well, what what I believe is is garnering some support over there from from the public and and from guests on whatever shows that he's going on. Um, and he's he's been really well spoken throughout it. Um, and it, it's it's vital that we get these people representing the fans and given. Obviously, you know, bloody hell, we we have all these this video evidence and this photographic evidence, and we have journalist testimonials and. And all this, I don't really think that we have to do much defending, to be honest, because the the, the French authorities have dug themselves this gargantuan hole that they're never going to dig themselves out of. I mean, you know, the the British status quo messed with the wrong city in, in 1989. If the French government want, want to do the exact same thing, go ahead. Because mm. in 1989, we didn't actually have so much evidence we didn't have to, uh, we, we didn't have the backing of the press that, that you know obviously that was such a big thing um coming out of Hillsborough so you know the Liverpool fans won't let this lie and n- neither should we and you know th- there's going to be plenty of people that are going to be traumatized as a result of what happened there's plenty of kids who are going to be traumatized by what happened and yeah. their their football experience is is just going to be you know, mired with with 
this event for, for probably the rest of their lives. You know, I, I've had, I've had relatively ropey experiences outside football grounds in the past. Nowhere near this level. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of stuck with me in the past. I mean, I was pretty vocal outside Wembley the other week going into the FA Cup final. That that was that was a pretty traumatic experience. And again, it, it was nowhere near as bad as this. And I, I can't imagine what people are going through. You know, there's people who've been assaulted. What we haven't mentioned is is the actions of locals in, in Paris who have been robbing people and, and assaulting people and you know they've been finding cars with with spanish plates and with, with british plates breaking into the cars stuff like that and obviously this isn't to tarnish you know the, the people of saint denis with the same brush that they may not even be from saint denis they may have traveled in we don't know but um you know it it, it was just and just such a a horrible event that was just completely enabled by the the, the poor police and the poor organisation. I mean, the organisation was shocking. Seeing people get as close as they did to the ground to begin with, without having ticket checks and whatnot. The ticket checks that they did have earlier on weren't good enough. The ticket checks. I don't even think the ticket checks were working. According to a lot of people, um, they couldn't even scan the QR codes. They were just doing visual checks of yeah. the tickets. So. If, if, if you're claiming fake tickets were the issue, well, it, that's what you have scan, scanners there to do. Like, that, that, that's the job of the scanners. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, that is what they're there to do. They're there to distinguish what is a real ticket and what isn't a real ticket. Um, I, You know, I've been to two European Cup finals in the past, and there's been multiple checkpoints coming up to the ground. I mean, in, in Kiev, there was bloody... There was fences that were probably about fifteen foot high, and that was like the first checkpoint you had to get past. Like, I don't know how people were getting as close as they were. It needed filtering down. It wasn't filtered down, and as a result, we we we've ended up with with the situation we've had. And I just I, I really do empathise with with all of those that that have been affected, and um, you know that goes out to Ramsbury fans that were affected as well, because obviously this isn't just. A Liverpool matter as much as people um, seem to think it is, uh, and you know the, the fingers being squarely pointed in some corners towards Liverpool fans as it always is. Many many masks have slipped in the wake of this. Um, I've always felt like I with, with me sitting near near it, the away end at Anfield, I always feel like it kind of polarizes me in a way and makes it, it makes me feel a bit paranoid about whether i just see the bad in in football fans a lot of the time uh and it's a bit of a horrible bit of reassurance that no that is kind of a bit of a general view of a lot of people in this country um which... And unfortunately, whilst whilst nothing is done about it, will never change. No, but as I mentioned in the aftermath, I hope that journalists, not that I would wish their experience on my worst enemy, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but the fact that they've experienced it now, whether or not 
that will garner more sympathy with them going forward when we do get Everton coming to Anfield, when we do get United coming to Anfield, and we do get Hillsborough slayers thrown at us, and we do get Heisel slayers thrown at us, whether or not those journalists will actually stand up and go, no, that's not that's not right. Especially in the wake I, of, of this. I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath either. I've, al- I've already seen new songs about... You know, I also think the club have not been strong enough in the last few years on Hillsborough. No, I I don't think the club have at all. And we 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 started to see the club making a bit of a thing about it towards the end of the season. Um, but the club has to lobby the FA and the Premier League in terms of action against teams that do it. Um, I I, I shouldn't have to I, I shouldn't have to sit there next to my dad who was at Hillsborough. And have that shit thrown at me, um, my dad. I, I I shouldn't have to put up with that. He shouldn't have to put up with that. I, it, it, it's, gonna, it's wrong. Like these people need... are suffering. Go on, yeah, they are. I was gonna say it needs the supporters groups to be on at the club as well. Um, it just seems to be it's, brushed it's, under it's the carpet accepted. as a. It feels yeah, like it's as accepted. A, it's football banter sort of thing, which it isn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath that it's going to enact any sort of social change when it comes to the perception of Liverpool fans. Um, it never will, because that cause the, the the perception of Liverpool fans is just rooted in xenophobia. Let's be completely yeah. honest here. That, that, that's what it comes down to. People don't like Scousers, and, and that, 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 that's it. Like, you know, I, I know a lad um, who's from Wigan, who I work with, and he went down to watch Wigan in the, the Challenge Cup final in Tottenham's ground on Saturday and then went to Box Park in Wembley to watch it and there was, obviously there was Forest fans and there was Huddersfield fans there um, to watch the playoff final and he said within five minutes he was called a murderer. <laughs> like, he's from he's from Wigan. Like, yeah. he's, he's not even from Liverpool, for God's sake. Like, so... God knows, like how we're gonna get treated because we know what the general perception of Scousers is in the country. And that, to be honest, that that's what's so disappointing seeing the amount of Evertonians that have been caping for this stuff in in the past as well. Like you 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 arm and arm with people who who don't like you. Like, but alas, that they'll they'll stoop as low as Chelsea fans. They'll stoop as low as the United fans who who peddle this crap and. That that is the annoying thing about it, um, you know, whether or not you believe in this scouse camaraderie and stuff like that. I don't really. It feels like a a, a bit, It feels like it's becoming more and more of a myth as as the years go on, um, especially when it comes to football. But but yeah, it's just it, it as you said, it, it it has just become accepted as it's it's football banter. That this is what happens. And the same goes for Liverpool fans with like Munich and and Chelsea fans and the you know the the Arsenal towards Chelsea fans and and whatnot. Yeah. Like it, it it isn't it isn't right. People shouldn't go support just support your football team. I understand not liking teams. I understand you know having songs about other teams. I understand that, but there's there's no need to bring. There's in... a difference. I say there's a difference to, uh, between calling Manchester full of shit and yeah yeah. Like the... Uh, dead people. Yeah. You know, that is what it is at the end of the day. 
Like as long as you're not punching down at people um, when you sing about them, as long as you're not mocking people's deaths, it's yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, fine. You could you could say the the team are shit. You could say say the city's shit. Whatever. Nobody's really offended by that because that is just you know a bit of fun. But as soon as you get personal about people and the you know it's the deaths of people that is the worst bit. That is what you are. You are. I think you know. I think I've said this over and over and over again. But mm-hmm. Hillsborough didn't just affect ninety-seven people; it affected the families of those ninety-seven people. It affected every Liverpool fan and you know Forest fan that was there that day. Like, and it affected their families. It affected thousands and thousands and thousands of people, many of whom are still within earshot of those songs, many of whom have, have post-traumatic stress disorder, many of whom have been affected by Hillsborough to the extent that they, they've attempted suicide. It, it, it should not be accepted as much as it is. It shouldn't, and Twitter has been an absolute farce over the last two, three days for it. An absolute farce of just lies and it's not even like it's just barefaced lies as well like there's there's evidence supporting Hillsborough there's evidence supporting this but for whatever reason people will still insist those people were to blame and it's just it's it's just not acceptable in in the slightest um but yeah yeah that's probably our piece on it um, there's not much. There's hope. not much more to say because, as Liverpool fans, we'll just be banging on about the, the same thing over and over and over again because it, it just happens too much. And then we'll get then we'll get criticised for doing that. For okay. yeah. carrying on talking about it, which <sighs> it, it, obviously it's different for me. I'm not from Liverpool, so um, I don't get the the shit that comes well, it's, with it's, it's not different Liverpool. for you because it wasn't just 97 scouts that died you know what I mean no, I, I, I know but it's in terms of me round here where I live or anything I don't get the the vitriol that is associated with people from Liverpool I'm so if I obviously have um, family from Liverpool so I find it all this all the this, you know offensive like you would um but for me personally, it's not questioning me. It's not insulting me as a person. I can accept it as a football fan. That, that's going to be part and parcel with supporting a football team. But the whole it is a, it's a personal attack on who you are uh, as well, and that is it's just unacceptable. And we can hope and pray that it what happened on Saturday does it, it does cause a shift in opinion potentially or it emboldens the club in terms of being stronger on it when the season starts uh, in August. That is the only thing that I can see coming from it is that the club feels emboldened. It feels like it has to. Um, yeah, it's, it's be, definitely be closer more, to a boiling point. Yeah, it needs to, the club needs to be more, needs to be, sorry, be less diplomatic on this this issue now going forward. It has to just not tolerate it. And if that means you start by increased stewarding in the away ends and you hear it, they're rejected. 
you know, if the club can set the rule on that, and if that's what they have, the, the starting point has to be, or working with other clubs more to to share what the feelings are of of people from Liverpool and Liverpool fans about how they feel when they hear Hillsborough slurs being sung, but it's not by minority; it's thousands of people every week, and. Yeah, the, this is this has to be the turning point for the club going forward because they've been weak. They've been too weak on it over the last few years, and I don't think Liverpool fans, after what happened on Saturday, will let the club get away with being weak on it now. And it's up to them to to take responsibility, take the bull by the horns, and really try and force through some change because it's not going to come from the goodwill of other people. Yeah, well. Anyway, move, moving on from the um, the dark side of Saturday and probably fucking football and society in general, to be completely honest, um, I, I I guess the city came together in some kind of unity and and celebration of of, of the season um, on the Sunday with the parade. Um, we had Calvin Harris doing his bit on the decks Andy Rapo got him on the back of the bus and nobody does nobody quite does a parade like the Reds do they fucking hell 600,000 people I think it was 500-600,000 people yeah um, and you had, the Liverpool, you had Liverpool players coming out saying they didn't know if it was the right thing to do they didn't know how they yeah. received that, it was, was, that was quite great Like it was, mm. it was actually kind of great to see that they were pleasant, so pleasantly surprised um, well, just look at Jay's Milner. You know his reaction was a, was brilliant as someone who's seen it all now as a professional yeah, yeah. footballer. To still be surprised, because I would have felt the same. You, you know, you've just lost the final of the biggest competition in football. You know, you you do feel well. Is anyone going to come? Is anyone going to be asked? Is you know we we might feel a little bit silly because we're, we're celebrating two domestic trophies, but. Whatever happened on Saturday, it was always going to be an amazing season. Liverpool played every single game they could have played this season. And that is just phenomenal. And, you know, one point in the league, 90 minutes on Saturday has decided that it doesn't take away from how brilliant that set of players has been this season. And they got exactly what they deserved on Sunday. I think it was a bit of an extension of... You know when, obviously, in the Champions League and whatnot, these, these these famous Anfield nights where it feels like the cop sucks the ball into the back of the net and it, it's like the, the, the crowd does want to be that 12th man and it, it does, you know, obviously obviously wants the best for the football club. It, it, it feels like the same thing on, on, on Sunday. Like, it, it wants the best for this group of players because it does feel like, you know, people. Uh, it's not. It's not that typical Liverpool kind of. You don't get it. You know, we're just different kind of thing. But mm. there is a genuine relationship with these players, as as much as people don't want to recognise that or find that cringy or whatever. I mean, personally, I don't. You know, I'd rather have this kind of relationship with the squad than than not. You know, the, these people are attached to the squad in one way or another. Whether it's through Klopp, whether it's through Van Dijk, whether it's through Trent. Whether through any of these players, um, and they're just they're just a really lovable group of people, 
not not necessarily just footballers, but people in general. You know, Klopp's got a really good set of of people together. You know, maybe maybe one particular person we won't mention. Um, aside, um, but yeah, you know, and it's it, it's fostered this this environment of of this adulation and this this love between the fans and and the players and you know you've got to take your hat off the clock for creating that kind of atmosphere and even him himself wasn't necessarily sure of the reaction that they get on return. But I think I think it sends them into August with an extra five percent. Yeah, but it could you the. the they know that winning the league next year, they will see twice yeah. what they saw. Of oh yeah, it'll be well over a million, and that has to be. It, it, that might sound really small, you know. It might sound really silly, or what you only want to win the league because of a parade. But think about just the the experience they all have. You know, for some of them, it might be the last league trophy they win with Liverpool. You know, we don't know what the squad's going to look like in a couple of years. If we win it, obviously we've not won anything yet. And the big elephant in the room is November. Is we have a big break, you know. We play seventeen games, I think it is, by November. And there is a real opportunity you could go into November with one hand on the trophy. Normally, it's not. It's what nineteen games by Boxing Day. You've got a real opportunity to have one one hand on the trophy by starting fast, which is what Liverpool. Are, you know, we get to November, we're in our we're in our flow normally, and it's three months of a hundred percent go at it, and it could be an incredible reward. You have a you have a break in the middle of that. Another reason maybe why Liverpool are happy to let Sal- Mane go over Salah is because yeah yeah Salah's I was here. thinking that myself. So it's it's. Next year is like, going to be like no season we've ever had before because you obviously have a World Cup in the middle of it. And if you, I think if we are close to three results clear of Man City, which I don't see as happening, but if, then you can already start to think about winning it. So it needs a good summer. It needs a proactive summer. Can't get into a position where there's negativity surrounding the squad, which happens seems to happen every summer. Oh yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> you know yeah. that's going to happen. But we can't, as fans, you can't get into, can't get sucked into that trap because this team has dealt with things like this before. If it, if, if we don't get the the players people want, and it's complicated things by one of the traditional front three is leaving, so you feel like you have to replace him with a player of a. A certain caliber. Um, obviously, I don't think that we're in for Harry Kane whatsoever. But you know, if a player of that caliber came in with the whole conditions that are being set for next season, it could be it could be incredible. And you know, in Istanbul as well, how amazing would it be to win another Champions League there? We have a brilliant opportunity to do so because what I saw from this Liverpool team in 2022, from the turn of the year was that we were we seemed to be getting that air of invincibility back that we'd lost for the last couple of years. Um, every time we played, you just looked at the opposition and thought, I don't see you doing anything. And I was thinking that at half-time on Saturday. And yes, obviously things can change, but we've lost, what, two games in 2022? 
one of them. A Champions League game where we were we won the away leg, and that one on Saturday. So if I'm Man City, if I'm Chelsea, I'm Tottenham. I'm looking at us and thinking they are the team to stop. And yeah, I'm I'm already looking forward to it. I'm glad we're gonna have a couple of months of not really thinking about football. Um, but it's gonna be a mega season and. Right now, I can't see anyone. Just can't see past anybody winning the league apart from us, to be honest. Oh, next year. Well, you know, obviously that depends on transfers. Swoop in. Our favourite time of the year. <laughs> yeah, so obviously we've got Mane going. Potentially got Naby Keita going, according to reports today. Mm. Which it's the, that is it's the perfect thing for him, I according think. According to our poll. <laughs> yeah. We polled, we polled every single Liverpool fan. Yeah, uh, we did that. Ninety percent. That fucking nuts. That you know. Ninety percent. As you, as I was you said, not expecting that. As you said, um, that shot seems to have, <laughs> you know, severed a link so between Liverpool fans and Navigator. Just one shot. One shot is all it takes. Yeah, Dejan. Um, no, so, yeah, no, that... even ever yet out of it that with the outside was thought it was going at three players as well. Mm. Like it was so fucking stupid, <laughs> ridiculous. And he had so much time as well. There was no because one closing him down. You yeah. know what? He normally does, doesn't he? You know, he's normally quite mm. composed in front of the goal as well. He's just fucking lost his head. What a tit. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, if, if PSG give us forty, if they give us forty million, um. You're nearly breaking even on someone who has, for the large part, underwhelmed. So, I'm not against keeping him. I think he's a great player if we keep him. And will no doubt contribute next season. But, I think a combination of his availability and some pretty poor performances in big games would sway me towards being one of the 90%. You just always shit to bed against Spanish teams as well. Yeah. Like it is particularly Spanish teams, it's really bizarre. But yeah, I think personally and this isn't like you know, any fucking inside information or anything, but I do think Nunez could be well, Nunez, actually, you know, I've gotta get used to correct pronunciations potentially. Um I do think that is, is very likely if money does go. Eighty million euros. Is that almost the same? That's what they want. Well, well, I mean, yeah, no, but he was saying seventy go... million for Diaz as well, weren't he? So yeah, but they're Benfica are in more of a position of strength. They don't have to sell him. I, th- I think like, like Diaz had to. I think he would be the one that we'd be looking at. Um, but Klopp... that's a, that would be a, that would be a major deal because that is a the first real sign of a shift in profile. And I've got written down on my little notes today. What is the profile of? a forward that Liverpool are going to buy this summer. I think it's just somebody that you can transition with. Uh, people people talking about Harry Kane and, oh, yeah, he dropped deep, blah, 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 blah. But, like, is he... I don't think he's quick enough. I mean, I was saying the same about Lewandowski, but I don't think he's quick enough. I've seen two games from Nunez this season. You probably know which two games they are. Yeah. Um, And I don't like the... I think statistics are great. I think they offer a really good roundup of what a player can, can and can't do. But Benfica play in a completely different way to Liverpool. So I'm 
still skeptical on the he can't hold the ball, we can't lay the ball off, he's not good in possession, that sort of thing. Because he's going to be coached by the the best coach in the world when it comes to attacking players. He doesn't need to hold the ball up though. That's the thing. Like, what, what? How are we playing? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think he helps Salah because he will occupy defenders more than they currently do. I wouldn't want to leave Nunez in loads of space, for instance. I'd want to keep a close eye on him, and it means that Salah maybe gets slightly less attention than now. We might only have one person marking him rather than four. Um, so yeah, and, and I, it's another dimension to the to the game as well. If he can if he can do something that Jota can do or Firmino can do with his feet, whilst also being a big a bit more of a physical presence in the box, it helps us more at breaking down teams that. To defend deep, I'd be more than happy to have him. More than happy to have him, and I'd be happy if we did. And obviously, getting a bit of extra money for—we know that fifty million was there for Chouameni, roughly. Yeah, that because, seems yeah. to have gone fucking well up well, since Real Madrid has been involved. Jesus, well, 100, million, 100 million euros now apparently for Chouameni. Yeah, like so, um, yeah, I'm I'm okay, thanks. But we know that money was there for one player. We know that it could be forty million each for Cater and Mane. I highly doubt we get forty for Cater, but I'd, I'd take 35, 30. That's another potential sixty, seventy million. Jesus. You can get, you can get Nunez and a good midfielder for for that money. Yeah, sorry, I'm just having a quick glance at his numbers. His goal scoring numbers are ridiculous. What Nunez? Yeah, yeah. I was having, a, I was having a look a little bit earlier. His Creative numbers aren't quite so good. But... I know, but at 19, he was scoring 16 goals in the Spanish second division in 27 90s. I'm saying, scored... what I'm saying, he, but his role wasn't to create this season for Benfica. He scored 26 goals in 22 90s this season. That's yeah. fucking absurd. In the 97th percentile for forwards. Look, who thought I would be saying words like that? But you look at his progressive carries, his dribbles completed. You know he's he's a he's a good presser as well, or well, good tackler. He, yeah, he's he he, he he does give me he does give me kind of Haaland vibes. However, he can actually he is, run with the ball. I don't think Haaland can run with the ball as good as he can. He, he is a pound shop Haaland, which is ironic because he'll cost more. But he won't in the long run, though. He'll be on less wages. No. Yeah, hundred. So that's the that is the forward Liverpool need somebody who has not done enough to earn two hundred grand a week. But it's, it's not even necessarily that though. I I actually think he, he he's a better carrier of the ball than Haaland is. Haaland is literally all 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 um transitions and and mm. movements in the box, like which I think we've lacked this season. To be honest. Yeah, you can see that. I mean, we, we had it in the first half of the season with Jota, but I don't know what I don't. Jota's a curious one, I think. Yeah. What happens to Jota next season? Does he become Diaz's deputy on the left? Does he mix it around? Do we play four-two-four, and Jota plays around Nunez if we signed him? Who knows? It's the he's having the options. I personally think we'll sign two attackers. 
um, unless they're intent on using Carvalho in the front line as the Origi replacement. But I think if we're going to sell Minamino, Origi, and Mane, you need at least you need two to replace them. Um, so yeah, it's it all depends on profile, as you say. And but yeah, I don't like the, some of the negativity aimed at Nunez. Um, because he he doesn't play in a system that's similar to ours. So. Well, he can play off the left. He can play down the centre, so he fills the same gaps as Manny does. And he's what six foot two. Yeah, he's fucking huge. Yeah, he's a big guy. I don't think he'll struggle to adapt to the Premier League in that way. No. Um, and, we need you know, someone clinic. We need we need someone clinical. We need somebody who's going to get you, going to get a good sight of goal and take it in a game that's tight. I mean, look at our cup finals, and we've had. A lot of criticism, obviously, for winning two trophies without scoring a goal, but we'd be a, we'd have won if we had the profile of player like him in the front line. On in all the cup finals, we'd have scored goals in them. I think just somebody who could do something. Definitely that Chelsea game, that yeah. first half, he would have feasted. But, and maybe uh... that's something. Maybe it's something Klopp's decided. That is it. Now we are going to play. Not with an out-and-out number nine, because I don't think we'll ever play like that, but, you know, someone who is a little bit more um, leaning towards scoring goals as well as, obviously, linking things up. Yeah, the, the idea that we're not looking at Conrad Lima for about 20, 25 million that he's been rumoured for is is actually baffling me. <laughs> um, but he might he might just say that he only wants to go to Bayern. Well, so. I think that probably is the case, to be honest, because it's only buying be it late with him. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got the links with Gavi, which I think are probably genuine. Um, well, Gavi, well, there's been a lot of reports today, hasn't there, about Barcelona being in a complete mess again. Um, and a big mess. What is it, 500 million euros they have to find, million, apparently? Yeah. Um, Gavi has a release clause, I believe. I don't know what that release clause is. I think it's 50 odd million. But do. He's what, 20? No. 17? 17. My word. Yeah. My word. He could be a starting midfielder for 15 years. Yeah, he's 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 ridiculous for 17. He's absurd. He started start for Spain at 17. <laughs> like, boy. He's a hell of a talent. Boy, 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 boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we know Klopp likes working with young, oh, yeah. mouldable midfielders. I mean, obviously the first one he ever really... Molded into the world class players like Mario Goethe. It's, it's actually instance, pretty but... crazy though, because if you look at the end of Klopp's contract, Gavi would still be 21, <laughs> 22. It's not like he is hideously young. Um, I think that's that's a genuine link. As I said on Twitter, uh, I'm reluctant when it comes to links with Spanish players, uh, the homers nine times out of ten, like they, they do not budge out of Spain. I think that's what made David Silva so special when he came over uh, from Valencia. He had the pick of the Spanish clubs and chose to come to City and yeah. kind of had that kind of Cantona revolution of, oh, look how technical he is and, and all that malarkey. So I would love for us to be able to get him, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Mm. But there's, 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 there's too many links in the Catalan press for it not to have some kind of weight to yeah. it. I... I'd say it's going to be really, really interesting what happens. And we kind of talked about this a few episodes ago, but Julian Ward does seem to be a little bit more of a... 
I don't, I don't say aggressive. I don't, I don't know if it's the right word, but he seems to be more inclined to listen to offers for players of our own and be a little bit more forward thinking when it comes to refreshing the squad. Edwards always seems to be a bit more cautious, I think. Whilst Ward, the noise is coming out, we are looking at a lot of players and we, you know, we're looking at selling Mane, we could be selling Cater. Deals I don't think would have happened under Edwards. So, interesting. It seems maybe the the evolution slash revolution may be sped up under Ward and utilising, obviously he has a lot of links to Spain and Portugal because he was our chief scout for that region wasn't he before he became yeah. a loan manager so he has his links over there he has his contacts so Nunez and Gavi makes a lot of sense in terms of his experience obviously Diaz before that he had a big hand in that deal I just think yeah Ward seems your more typical sporting director in terms of keeping things fresh keeping things moving not letting things get stale so, um, I mean, th- this this time has had to come for a while. Like, don't forget, we lost Wijnaldum last summer. We're losing money this summer. Milner's got uh, well a, a year left, if that. I think he'll be more of a cheerleader next season than anything. Well, I, I hope he is anyway. Yeah. Um, Maybe do some coaching work with the academy. Yeah. So, you know, this this time has had to come for a while. So it it might be better that we've got somebody who's a bit more front footed with with the sales because it's not necessarily hundred percent sell to buy, but Liverpool do need to sell players in order to open up places in the squad. Yeah, and I open up ways. I, I, I did think whilst Edwards was was amazing at getting rid of Deadwood. I mean, I don't think that can be replaced. I do think he was a little bit sticky when it came. to... He was very patient with with the Deadwood. Yeah. though. like we we we. Yeah. We were only fed what we what the club wanted to feed us when Edwards was there. So we don't know what was going on between that time. I mean, if you if you believe things like we we've been wanting to get rid of certain players for quite a while and we just couldn't get rid of them. I think Nat Phillips was one, wasn't he? Nat was yeah. Nat Phillips one? Um Harry Harry William, uh, Harry Williams. What the hell? I'm getting Nico Williams and Harry Wilson mixed cracking, up. Cracking player. Yeah, cracking player. Um, Harry Wilson was another one that that we just couldn't get rid of until this this season. Um, th- th- there was quite a few that that he kept at the club, when we didn't really need to. I mean, don't get me wrong, we would have made money and loan fees and stuff like that for them. But um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, listen, we we we've got obviously we've still got Elliot, we've got Jones. Obviously, with Curtis, he is in kind of last chance saloon, I would say, to to earn a place in, in the Liverpool squad. But you've also got Tyler Morton as well, mm. who I think a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, I mean, listen, that that performance he put in against AC Milan in, um, in San Siro has aged like a fine wine because, obviously... AC Milan have now gone on to win the league in Italy, so yeah. No, I'd be... like to see more of Morton. To be honest, I yeah, do yeah. feel like he got a little bit. He was a victim of that. Klopp, Klopp game. does that. Klopp does that as well. He he, he takes players off the limelight a lot. Um, I think it's, it, it can be a case of this is what it this is what it feels like. 
how much do you want it? It was quite reassuring to see him in the 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 kid shoots and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he is definitely part of the squad. I think he's got he's got a couple of games in the League Cup next year because I can't see us going much further in that. Yeah. Well, obviously we've, we, we've, we've likely won it. Got, we've likely got Calvin Ramsey coming in at right back. I'd like to see Morton in the Community Shield. You know, that could be a you know you you expose him to playing a team like Man City in a game where it. It's not the end of the world if you lose. Five. Nah. You've got to remember, it's I, I, five subs next year. I, I want to win the Community Shield, to be fair. Don't get me wrong, I am I am firmly on the train of it's not an actual trophy, but I still want to win it. Oh, no. no, it's not, because it's a shield. But, you know um, what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, five subs could be huge next year in terms of the opportunities that could present to players. Mm. Um I would quite like a rule on the five subs about maybe one has to be an academy player or something that you know you can at least use it to your advantage almost as to develop your players because I do think it will be it will expose a gap with the bigger and the smaller teams I do I do understand that argument but it could offer a real opportunity for some of our younger players um in games where the game is won to experience the first team more and be part of that a bit more yeah I'm not necessarily four or five subs but at the end of the day when the rest of Europe is doing it there's not much more we can do well, there's, you, you kind there's, of got this, to. Yeah, the Premier League had no other alternative and Chris Wilder's obviously not going to be in the league next year so his opinions <laughs> don't matter never know he could <laughs> yeah you never know but um but yeah, I'd I'd quite like that little rule though that one of your five subs has to be an academy player or a, an under twenty three player um, to start getting younger players in the game a little bit more and to water down the impact a little bit of of um, the, the the quality difference between first and twentieth when it comes to. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see how. The summer progresses. I think I, I I don't know what the plan for the pod in the summer is. Um, I mean, every time we sign a player, we're recording. Well, yeah, we could pop in for another for a fifteen twenty minutes here and there. Player when we review. do sign the player. Um, and that would basically just be us watching the same compilation video. Oh yeah. Hmm, yeah, yeah, nice, like yeah. that. Mm. What, what a banging shoe! What a banging shoe! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Right, hang on. Sorry, I'm just gonna jot down uh, episode oh title. Oh god! There what we go. A banging <laughs> also, can we can we just highlight that Antonio Conte is indeed at it again in the transfer market? Oh, I'm sorry. Thirty-three-year-old Ivan Perisic. Is he thirty-three? I think so. Fuck off! He's not. Or thirty-two. What a banging tune! Oh, 30, that's got me. Thirty-three. 33. 33. Oh, why didn't they get Costa? Oh, what a shame. And what a, a quote from a quote from Conte in 2019 when he was Inter Milan manager, I've just seen this on Twitter, is that Perisic cannot play the role asked of him out wide and that's why he was used as a striker. So I don't know what's <laughs> changed in three don't know what's changed in three years, but you know, suddenly he's the one that's gonna to win Tottenham the league title according to their fans. So Josh, you're going off on Tottenham. I just think Antonio Conte is an absolute criminal in the transfer market. <laughs> he is. He's yeah. an incredible coach, but for the love of God, don't let him make transfers. <laughs> they'll, they'll, be, they'll be spending 25 million on drink water before we know it. 
Oh, fucking hell. Right. And Mick Beals goes QPR's manager. That's a good time. Oh, yes. I am withdrawing yeah. all of my Stephen Gerrard stocks. Jesus. Yeah. Villa so... going down. Oh, like, it will be very interesting. Very interesting to see how Gerrard does without them. Um, no, we'd go for. I mean, uh, to be fair, people thought Klopp would flop once Buvac left, so never know. We might find us peplinders in the rough somewhere. You might, you might come. Well, maybe Jurgen Klopp was actually quite a good coach. Oh well, yeah, he might come and nab somebody else from the academy, like he did Beal, mm. prick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so plan going forward, we've got a, a well, obviously the the biggest award show of the season coming up. Sometime, hopefully in the next week or so, we need to sort that out with Shane, as he's currently still on father duty. Which he's changing nappies this afternoon, which yeah. is why he's not on. Hmm. I'm sure we'll we'll keep him up to date with Josh's banging tunes and stuff. Yeah, what a playlist um, I've got. Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. As ever, we will be back within the week. I hope hope you're there. With your black ties on, getting ready. There's no, there's no punching of hosts and stuff. Well, I hope nobody's going to punch me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, the the Reds will go again, and we'll see you when we sign someone. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>